either got less hair or more coming out everywhere. Getting more deaf, worrying about death, all the tires you got are spare. Unexplained coffin while choosing your coffin. Getting some laughs in and choking on taffy, squeaking more than a dolphin. Rolling at the kids, soiling undies with skids. Wondering if we fuck it up, can we still make the mic drop? Genexing, texting, vexing, exiting. But not yet, not yet. We're just halfway there. Halfway there. Whenever you're ready. Hi, I'm Jenny Tear. Hi, I'm Camilo Fantasia. Hi, I'm Kim Gaynor, and this is Halfway There, a podcast about the new middle age. Hey, hey, buddies. Hi. How's it going? Hey, yeah. It's been a strange day. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it feels like the day of news about awful men. (laughs) God. Yeah. um, Do you want to provide some context? (laughs) Maybe somebody, maybe this will be found in a time capsule. Yeah, I know you don't want us to be, you don't want us to date uh, the podcast, but Donald- Oh, I, I, I don't want you to date toxic men, I thought is what you wanted to say. Too late. <laughs> but um, bum, cringe. Yeah, let's get that joke. Um, Donald Rumsfeld died um, and Bill Cosby was freed. Boomer's revenge. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird trade-off. Do, did we need to have one for the other? For, yeah. for the universe to be in balance? Do you think some like weird deal was struck in hell? Mm-hmm. Was, um, I'll trade you one Donald Rumsfeld if you let a notorious serial raper go free. How's that? Yeah. Peyton's like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Let's uh, sign that with some baby's blood. We need to ask Little Nas X for the report. <laughs> yeah, what's going on down in hell? Yeah. <laughs> the while he's keeping Satan busy making out with him and making I, shoes. I think the administrators in hell are running amok. Yeah, they oh, had a busy sure. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are not Gen X, I probably have no idea who Donald Rumsfeld was, but that man probably has more blood on his hands than most people in this century. Yes, he for also sure. had a very good time doing it. Remember how gleeful he used to be, like lying and talking to the press? Yeah, yeah, I do. When you said Donald Rumsfeld, I was like, oh, I was like, Secretary of Defense, George W. Bush. Like, it's so funny how, but I haven't thought about him in years, but I knew exactly. And I was like, ah, oh, Iraq. Like, it was so visceral. I had, I think I I freaking had flashbacks of, of his face and his lying and just hearing about all the awful shit that he did that he was responsible for. He's dead though. He is dead. And he's he's one of the architects of the uh, Middle East wars that are over, right? It's all done. It's all tidied up over there. Yeah, yeah, it's just with a, with a pretty little bow. Yeah. I think his legacy will live on for quite some time. I hated the Bush administration, kids. This is your grandmom talking, but the <laughs> administration, they were truly fucking evil. And I wish I still maintained that deep loathing for George W. Bush, but he's just such a goofball. I can't, it just, I don't know. I wonder if in 20 years I'll feel the same way about Trump. But I, don't know. <laughs> no. I think so. I mean, it's you- gotta be because you feel like in comparison to Trump, he kind of, his, his evil 
specter kind of lessons. I mean, that's kind of what it is, right? I mean, it's awful to admit, but then Trump just comes and tops it, you know? Yeah. Although the Bush administration did horrific shit. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Ben, remember that <laughs> little bit of a friend trivia. Jen, remember that sexy photo shoot we had we did when um when we had a theater company and you posed with a banner somewhere in Brooklyn, um, a huge banner behind you that said worst president ever. <laughs> could not have been a more iconic shot. And, and at that time it was George W. And little did we know. You need to unearth that and just, well, you should have go back in time a couple of years and post it again. It was yeah. a great shot, Jen. I should be like, kids, I was cool when, <laughs> even before social media. But maybe you will soften up on Trump because like maybe in 20 years down the road, you'll become more conservative as people tend to do as they mm. Because you'll become angrier and angrier at, you know, what the youths are doing. And you'll care more about your IRA and all those things. So um, you might be, man, Trump, the market sure went up when he was president. <laughs> I Sometimes. You just got to vote your pocketbook. Yeah. I would have to, I would literally, I think I would have to get a frontal lobotomy. <laughs> Something <laughs> very fundamental would have to change about me if I was like, look, my Roth IRA, it's important to me. <laughs> um, I just literally learned this year what a Roth IRA is. So can you tell me? Because I'm still not sure. I, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Financial education moment from the most financially illiterate person probably on this call, but okay. Mm. I I believe it's a way to put away money so that you minimize your tax, uh, how taxed it can be, if at all. I don't quite understand that bit, but you're committing to keeping it in there for a certain amount of time as an exchange for not being able. So you don't mess with it, but it doesn't get taxed at all or at the same level as normal investments. This could be completely ass backwards information, but that was my takeaway. I think that's pretty right. I think I keep um, turning down the opportunity to, to invest in, an, in a Roth IRA because I'm just kind of flat out lazy, even though I have access to one. But I think that's, I think that's correct. It's a long-term, like smart, savings plan that is not you know and if you are an, a, an entrepreneur like me a solopreneur even yeah apparently it's smart or, to do because you don't have a 401k so it kind of substitutes if you're employed and you have a 401k it's kind of the same thing like you're not touching it so you're probably good but for someone like me it's better to have a Roth IRA which by the way originally I was like Roth like what like Philip Roth but I think it's I think it's an acronym <laughs> I think, I think so too. And one thing to note, I was just Googling if this is true, that it's based on like a portfolio of stocks. Mm -hmm. So it is tied to the stock market. Mm -hmm. um, yes. It's important. I like a Philip Roth IRA. I wish <laughs> that you could put like books in there that would accrue value. That would be great. Um, Philip Roth yeah, helping um, the Northern Ireland separatist movement. The Philip Roth IRA, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, wow, that's a good That really dates me. Wow, yeah, the Troubles and also an oldie time author nobody's heard of. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I read some crazy statistic about how um, like 20 years ago, something like 65% of people had pensions and today 12% of people do. And I think in like 1980, the percent of people who had like financial instruments who were, you know, had 401ks or were invested in the market, it was something like 2%. And that was one of Ronald Reagan's big accomplishments was getting everybody tied to the market. I'm making air quotes. Accomplishments? Yeah. Ronald. (laughs) Ronald. President. My (laughs) president. Um, Yeah, you know, I I have a millennial accountant and she's basically like, oh yeah, I put all my money into an IRA because there's not going to be any social security money when I'm that age. It's going to be gone. Frightening. So she said that's a pretty pervasive attitude amongst millennials. It's a waste of money to put, to put, you know, to pay social security into, into social security. Is it, is it me or do they seem a lot more, um, financially literate than we are? You know, they... I don't know what the marker is for us, for our financial willingness to like engage with those traditional like Reagan era instruments, but the millennials. Oh, Kim froze. Kim froze. She was going to give us like some breaking insight into millennials, how millennials behave. I know. But, and I was oh, looking forward to she's that. She's going to come back in. She's going to come back. Yes. We, there we you were are. Mid-thought. Millennial finances. Yeah, we're on. Yeah, sorry, here. I got booted. Um, my booted got booted. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think they're more fat financially literate than we are? It's hard for me to answer that question because my upbringing, up, upbringing, my upbringing, uh, my upbringing was unusual with two artist parents. So um, there was not a lot of financial literacy going on in that wow. household. Sorry, mom. Love you very, very much. <laughs> Hi, Tina. Uh, oh, yeah. Hi, Tina. I'm, what the fuck am I going to say now? Oops, sorry, Tina. Uh, you have to, to the last podcast to get that, listeners. It's a joke. Um, I think it really depends on, I think my sense of millennials, I, I guess also the next generation now, Zoomers, is everything is so extreme. So if they're financially literate, they're like little masters of the universe. And if they're not, they they literally have never heard of it. Like it seems as if those divides are more extreme than they were in our generation, but maybe I'm- but, maybe yeah, I think Kim, you may be onto something. I mean, I think it's millennials driving the whole Robin Hood explosion and- Yeah, sure. Thing. Bitcoin um, as well. Yeah. Although yeah. I bet you all of those things were created by Gen Xers. Funny, I think of um, Alex P. Keaton from what? You know yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I, uh, yes. With Michael J. Fat right. Alex P. Keaton was like my brother's age, so I, I think yeah, my brother and I we're we're still both Gen Xers. Um, he was like this little Ronald Reagan in this yeah. house of kind of like hippie dippy um liberals so i don't know when i watched that as a kid that was very like contemporary with my childhood you know youth that was like of the moment i thought of him as kind of a freak um but maybe that's because i also came from like a a pretty uh in some ways liberal 
politically household. Yeah, he was like the the lovable Reaganite freak on the yeah. show. I mean, it's just not normal for a teen to be in coat and tie and under all circumstances, right? Sure, that was part of the reaction. Yeah. Like, just not a normal kid. I have an interesting story, though, uh, kind of about the Robin Hood, you know, thing. I have a friend who I'm, he shall go unnamed uh, for right <laughs> now until I clear this with him, but he invested in the AMC stock because he had made a living working in movie theaters. He managed movie theaters. He did shows in movie theaters. He, you know, they, he's a filmmaker. It was a huge part of his life. And he was so pit, like personally repulsed by Wall Street deciding that they were going to crash AMC and short all the stocks that he bought stock. And he gets this report. They're called the Ape Army. They're all these people who bought these stock, right? And they're all holding so they're not selling. They've driven the price up to three. I, I want to say it's $60 a share and he, or maybe it's 300 a share. It's I, I, obviously those are wildly different numbers and they get reports every day and they check in with each other and they all tell each other to, uh, to hold and to not sell. And it's costing this hedge fund like millions of dollars every day. And at some point they're going to have to do what the, it's a margin call. Mm -hmm. where essentially, I guess the hedge fund has to pay up, but his amount now is upwards of $60,000. And he put a couple thousand dollars in at the beginning. Nice. That's, that's incredible. I remember reading about this. It's very satisfying to read things like this. It is. It's retail sellers, right? It's retail purchasers of stock. It's a little guy. It's truly like an underdog story. He said it's people from all different backgrounds, like a woman working at Walmart who's like, this has made a difference in potentially the life of my child. Please don't sell. It's, it's a very, it's very sweet in a rather jaded time. But doesn't it's the government want to step in and sort of quash all this because they're not happy that they can't properly regulate it? That's why at some point they might do a margin call. I don't really understand. I'll be honest. It's all so bizarre, which to me indicates that it's probably all a Ponzi scheme. If normal fucking people <laughs> cannot understand it, it's because snake oil salesmen are behind it. Well, it's manipulated. I mean, just look what happened with the Robin Hood GameStop um, controversy. So in this case, people are getting together and they're, they're manipulating the market, but people have been doing that forever. The fact that it's just like, there's more access to quote unquote regular people is what is causing the issue for the higher ups. So basically what happened with GameStop is like all of these people, um, the, the, the price spiked and then they stopped them from being able to sell and make some, some of these people were going to cash in like a hundred thousand dollars, like, you know, tons of money. I actually don't got to do part two of this. Like I actually, that was something that was on the back burner of my brain like I heard this and I was like oh, I gotta check into this Robin Hood thing but it's like as soon as the little person tries to game the system like the system has been gaming them you you get you get booted you know it's it's not fair um so I think I think that's that's interesting 
I have to be, go ahead, finish. Oh, I just, I hope these people make some money off of this if it's legal. Why the hell not? I think it's great. I mean, it's basically like institutionalized manipulation is fine, but individual manipulation isn't. Exactly. And Although I, I just can't stop thinking about Martha Stewart going to prison and like now, she now she's smoking blunts with Snoop Dogg and chiding right-wing politicians on Twitter because they miscounted the number of ducks in her backyard or something. <laughs> I have like, a lot to say about that, especially the Snoop Dogg Association, because, you know, Snoop Dogg, and this will get really deep and really political, but, you know, now she has street cred. Here's this old white lady who could be, who, who couldn't be the farthest thing from like rap or hip hop culture or black culture being warmly embraced by Snoop Dogg that is, you know, on and off hat set, had you know, crazy shit to say about black women. You know, I, I just find it mm, not very palatable. Um, although seems like she served her time, you know, like a, <laughs> like a G, you know, okay, props to you. Um, you've been to jail, I haven't. Um, but I think, I think it's interesting what society does um, to people and how it decide and the internet, how it decides to make them cool or prop them up if they become some sort of like folk, you know, anti-hero hero, like she has seemed to become. She's way more likable, everybody knows, since she's been to prison than before she was because she's no longer perfect. Can I counter though, as a white guy who, really isn't that versed in hip hop, but I've always felt that there was a very close association between hip hop and the desire or the ostentatious display of wealth, which is kind of what she does. So to me, it doesn't yeah. ring completely, you know, on false to see them. Yeah, together. but what kind of wealth are we, are we talking about? We're talking about diamond crested Bentleys versus you know, tasteful uh, mansions in Sag Harbor. There's there's quite a difference. Let's not pretend yeah. that these rich people normally, uh, these rich rappers normally mix with these Hamptonites. It just don't happen like that. I would say probably Beyonce and Jay-Z do because they are mega, mega wealthy. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, I think of Jay-Z, like having graduated into that echelon of like mega wealth and, and and sort of respectability, I suppose, you know, I mean, the, the Martha Stewart Snoop Dogg relationship seems one that's based, it's pretty cynical marketing opportunity for both of them. She sells CBD products too. So, you know, I mean, um, there's probably a lot to be said about the fact that, you know, uh, the, the commodification of pot and pot products like CBD into more mainstream business ventures, you know, things that people went to jail for, for life, or, you know, now is a marketing opportunity for a wealthy white woman. Um, but yep. I do think like Jay-Z, my sense is like Jay-Z and Beyonce are in the Hamptons, you know, they're associating on that level with like people who are, they're like our Mount Olympus. I mean, these people are like orbiting earth. Sure. And I think, I think that's 
entirely of their, you know, they're, they're untouchable. They, they associate with who they want to associate with. Like, I don't really think it's about them being accepted into those clubs anymore. They can buy those clubs. So, but I'm just saying the, the culture of like rich, white, old money versus like rap culture, I think they meet because, um, because rich people, lots of rich people like to have that cred, like to have that association. Look at the, the Kardashians, they practically keep black people as pets, you know, just, just for fun. Um, so I look deeply and ask people to consider deeply what's, what's actually going on. I mean, you know, whatever, maybe Snoop Dogg and Martha just really like each other. A lot of people totally stand them as a couple. Um, so it who knows, but it, it, I do find it pretty cynical. We should do a whole Kardashian episode after oh, the Madonna God. episode. We need to do these episodes. These are these are burning cultural questions. I know nothing about the Kardashians, but... Um, it's time to bone up. I just know the butt and champagne bottle moment. Breaking um, the internet. But it's we have to get into our segment soon. I, I love this conversation though, so we'll we'll pick it up. Um, really quickly, any old symptoms of the week other than remembering Donald Rumsfeld was like one of my major <laughs> symptoms of this week. But, yeah, PTSD uh, from yeah. hearing his name was my number one old symptom. Yeah. Other than that, I guess I'll start. Um, a general crankiness with other people. I would say it's my old symptom of the week. It's not exactly physical, although it can have physical manifestations, mainly me giving you a stank eye and always having a resting bitch face. I have a very little patience these days for shenanigans, tomfoolery, or any of that nonsense. Um, so, you're definitely going to be a Republican in 20 years then. Stop it. <laughs> I won't. I really won't. I, you would have to do, if, if Jenny needs a lobotomy, you would have to, uh, what's the, uh, what's the what's word procedure that removes your soul? Oh, is there a name for that? I don't know. Is there? Yeah, it's Republican. <laughs> republicanization it's, it's registering as a republican <laughs> yeah. your soul leaves your mouth as you like sign by the way we love our republican listeners we do we we love you please stick around this is all jokes we don't mean any of this <laughs> uh, if you cannot see the bonus visual material you're missing a lot <laughs> oh lordy Danny, anything? Do you feel like you are you're getting more ir you just get more irritable? I um I think let me try and be more specific. I have less patience for people and their opinions and groups. Like I have very little um willingness to <laughs> this sounds terrible, socially compromise. You know, I don't want to go anywhere I don't want to go. I don't want to do anything I don't want to do. I don't want to say yes to anything that really, I mean, no, um, to, um, I th things like that. I think maybe it's a function of just getting older and some of that is healthy. Some of it is a little much. I think there's a balance to be struck. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to know how to say no to people. That is something that definitely comes up for me. I also yeah. think as performers, we are people pleasers and it's very hard to, I find it very hard to let people down or say no when I really want to. And what usually happens with me is I'll say yes until the final moment when in fact I blurt out like no. So it's the worst of all worlds. It's it's the worst. It's a bad habit. I've done that too. And it's like, no, fuck this. I hate this. I hate everything about it. Like you could have said it so much more nicely and just said no, but instead it's building up the anxiety. You're, you're just completely pissed off, you know, that you said yes. And you're just thinking about all of it and stewing. And then the top burst off of the boiling pot and it's ugly. Yes. Okay. My old symptom of the week, this is ongoing. My, I will definitely say, I think my short-term memory is has definitely taken a hit in the past couple of years. And I think part of it is the phone. I really do. I mean, a lot of it is my atrophying brain, but I also think it's that I am, I have a split reality. So I'll be doing something, but I'll be thinking about the group text I'm in or the tweet I just read or the podcast I'm listening to. And I won't remember, you know, if I brushed my teeth. I mean, I, I sort of faintly do, but I'm definitely not rooted in the present moment because I feel like our, my reality is now split between the time I spend online and then it's commingles with reality around me. So I'm not fully paying attention. This might be a way to soothe myself into thinking I'm not suffering from early onset Alzheimer's. I'll admit it's a fear. Um, that's an ongoing old symptom. Yeah, you should be very worried about it. You should be thinking about it quite frequently, if you can remember to. Thinking about what? My early onset yes. Alzheimer's? Camila's just being mean. Camila, you're such a fucker. I hate And you. he does it I, so in such a deadpan way that... <laughs> I'm, Every time, Jenny, you just fall for it because it's Camilo just sounding completely reasonable, even though he's being a complete jerk. Did you see my face? Dad job joke in it to it. I'm the one who was in a meeting this morning and uh, there were several people who had to talk and I texted, I'm getting two middle fingers. Wow, Meredith, two middle fingers. That's great. There was some per a person who was new at the meeting was supposed to talk and the meeting was ending. So I texted somebody else in the meeting and say, hey, isn't X person going to, to talk? And he writes back and says, she talked. I was at the meeting. I was actually, I thought I was paying attention and listening. I have no recollection of her speaking, what she said, what went on. <laughs> so I'm with you. Did you feel really dumb that you said that? That you like, you took up the mantle of this woman and you... <laughs> And you were like, I'd like to hear from the woman. And then, in fact, the problem was that you weren't listening to the woman. At least I only messaged one person. I did something way more humiliating <laughs> in that meeting, actually, which is I sent a private message to somebody about somebody and I sent it to that person. Oh, oh shit. It, I wasn't critiquing them or anything, but I was. Uh, anyway. um, so I've been embarrassed and humiliated about it all day, even though it's not a big deal. Um, it is a big deal, Camilo. It is a big <laughs> deal. It, yeah, you don't have to tell me that. My brain is telling me it's a big deal. Okay. Um, so fantastic. So we're all doing 
great. It sounds like every week getting better and just uh, our bitchy genetic and destinies are taking us further and further away from the grave. Wonderful. <laughs> did, you, did you want to share your own completely unique old symptom of the week, Camilo? I want to do it really briefly because we do, we are running out of time, but um, I used to not believe when Jim told me that if he drank ice water really quickly, it made him have to go to the bathroom for number two, by the way. Really? Yeah, but really? This summer, you know, since it's gotten hot and I've started drinking ice water, I'm starting to question whether that's not a real theory because wow. I am finding without getting too graphic that- Please don't, you know how I feel about this yes, now. That it's a good thing I work from home, Short, long story short. I was going to say, we have a lot of poop <laughs> talk in our podcast. And because we're, that's part of getting older. Okay. Although, remind me another day to talk about straight men and pooping themselves. Oh, definitely. Um, that, I'm going to forget. I'm okay. Gonna... <laughs> uh, hey, are you ready for me to tell you what the kids are up to? Yes. Yeah, sure. What are the cool kids up to? What music do they like? Where do they go at night? Are they watching sexy Netflix shows or anime or both? Cool, cool kids like really cool kids. We want to know what you're up to. Oh, All right. So I don't know if you watch any of the Marvel properties. I don't blame you if you don't. It's very niche. Um, well, it's not, not niche anymore. You're right. It's... It, it, I just you. don't feel like you two are Marvel people. I don't know. I'm I getting this. doing this. You did this. I'm clocking these comments. Last episode, you said we probably wouldn't know anything about current gen gaming. And that is false, false, false. <laughs> okay, okay. I watch. I'm, I'm not basing this on, on you being women, by the way. I'm basing it on knowing you, which is different. You don't know Every aspect of me, Camilo. And you know what I love is being surprised and learning new things. Um, it's just such a joy to have my assumptions upended. And that's why I put them out there. Because Good. I want my assumptions to be upended. So you're a huge Marvel fan is what I'm hearing. Huge. I mean, just like Jen said, that you can't avoid it. Like, okay, maybe this was niche and like nerdy, like when you were 15, but the whole world has seen all the Marvel movies now. Okay. Hello, like Black Panther, they, they're all, I, they're iconic. Do you, do you have Disney Plus and are you watching the Marvel shows on there? Yes, I watched WandaVision with all yeah. the kids. All right, Kim, you've lost all credibility. Your former argument is completely moot. Why um, is that? How is that? No, I don't. Because you're not watching the, t the TV shows on Disney Plus, you're not a real fan. Um, I didn't say I was a fan. I said, <laughs> I'm aware. Okay. There's a difference. Well, you that's, I said we probably wouldn't I, know anything. I, about I, I did not comics. say that you're, you're, you're an aware Marvel person. I said fan. So. No, I, I don't know. Someone roll back the tape. Jen, do you have like, ability over there? You know what? And I'm, I'm the editor. So I will, I will manipulate <laughs> the audio so that it appears I'm in the right, even if I'm wrong. Great. <laughs> right. I'm glad you're saying that, even though. <laughs> We won't make it to the final cut. All right. So, yes, I'm aware of Marvel, even though I don't follow all of like everything that's out there. Yeah. Um, so basically Marvel in the past few years has originally they had this like Marvel Studios. So opener, uh, logo, animation for Marvel Studios, which was 
the, the comic book pages were like flipping by faster and faster. And it was really cool because it was a nod at the original comic books and stuff. But now that they've had 3000 movies, they've extended this thing to an absurd, it's like 35 seconds of now we're seeing like parts of the movies with all the heroes with Chris Evans running over here and whatever. So a Hemsworth here an Evans there, another, the other Chris that nobody likes anymore over there. So, um, Basically, this thing is now so bloated and it's fine when you go see a movie because in the movie you're like, oh, big screen experience. Oh, nice. The, the logo is animated. But now they stick that in front of every single episode of their TV shows. So, yes, you can hit fast forward on your app, but it's still unnecessarily bloated. But what happened this week is that Lil Nas X took it upon himself to somehow, oh, we've lost Kim again, but she'll be back soon to grab that um, animation and basically replicate it, but he's inserted himself <laughs> into all of the, the various moments. For some reason, Chris Rock in Fargo appears in one of the photos, which I don't get. And then there's various other people, but, um, but he's basically reproduced this and he's using it as the trailer for his new album that's coming out. And I think we chatted about this on text earlier and his marketing savvy. I don't know if he has a team or if it's him, but it's so good because everybody, sure yeah, everybody who's into him is talking about it. Even us old people <laughs> are talking about this. He's just, and you guys were worried about copyright infringement, right? But I think it's satire may fall. Well, under that's what he's, that's what I think that's how it keeps getting out. Well, there he keeps getting out of it. There is the Nike um shoe controversy. He didn't got he did not get out of that. He they, they had to pull them. But they also get out. Nike forced them to pull them. Yeah, but he still made a ton of money off of it, right? And attention. And, yes, and attention. That's the main thing. He's a he's a really fascinating character. I do have to say that I don't watch Saturday Night Live because who does? And um but I did watch the clip that he was on a few weeks ago. And it was like, I got such a frisson to seeing a gay man just being so friggin' sexual on national television. And I was reading today, you know, Adam Lambert kissed so-and-so, his like keyboardist like 10 years ago. But, but no, that was really. like an awards show and they edited it heavily and stuff. And yes, Madonna kissed Britney and Christina. But this was like him writhing with these guys. And it was just so overtly gay sexual and and i have to point out that um you know girl on girl action is completely you know a function of the patriarchal mm -hmm. uh, fantasy um whereas gay male uh sexual activity is smashing the fuck out of the patriarchy not saying that being a lesbian is you know um a, being a tool of the patriarchy. I'm just saying what's chosen to be seen and glorified and what is quote, quote unquote, okay in the media um, is typically more girl on girl centric. I'm not even gonna say lesbian because it's girl on girl. It's like your girlfriend just, you know, one day decided to kiss a girl because you don't really want your girlfriend to be a lesbian, you know? So yeah, a lot to unpack there. I love Lil Nas for doing that i will have to say in 2021 i feel like you do want your girlfriend to be a lesbian because we are like hot accessories now wait know? are you lesbian Camilo? <laughs> i i just mean lgbt in general oh okay yeah. like when you identifying as lesbian right now please let me know i 
I could. <laughs> um, he also kissed his dancer at the end of the, when he was performing on, I think Friday or, no, it was like Saturday or right. Sunday at the BET Awards. Yes. Like, um, so obviously, you know. And then he releases a tweet that says, those of you in the community that are coming after me and saying it's too much or you're putting, this is not his words, I'm putting, I'm interpreting. But basically he was getting criticized for sexualizing being gay. And he's like, you people need to look inside yourselves and see why you're uncomfortable as gays. Yeah. See us as sexual beings and you deal with that. I'm, I'm do, doing my thing, you know? And so, since it, and the amount of sexual activity, straight sexual activity that happens in entertainment. I mean, it's just such a double standard to even start to say, Oh my God, you're being, you're sexualizing gay relationship. I mean, since when don't we sexualize uh, relationships? Now, because it's gay relationships, y'all have a problem? Come on. Yeah, although I think there is a debate. There was a debate about pride. I think in I had read that, you know, there were more conservative members of the gay, uh, gay community who didn't want it to be so freaky deaky. But that's like, always it's the established gays who now have children and want to bring their children to pride it's like right yeah. it's gay gays are not a monolith just like any other group exactly um but we like monoliths because they're phallic okay so I, <laughs> i'm a member i don't want to be a member of the patriarchy so i don't want to take up all the time with my segment i so, go into we the move on to beauty and health i'm gonna go next I have to leave at 7.30. Okay, so we're going to let the future in 30 years go next. Okay. Okay, Kim, are you okay with you? 30 years. Yes, yes, yes. You missed our group chat. Go ahead, Jenny. In 30 years, stuff will be different. How different? We don't know. But we'll speculate for the show. Come along for the ride. According to this article, what is a flying car? You guys, this article is really funny in the it's i got it in the failing new york times again oh that failing new york times also when camilo said who watches snl i was like donald trump he's probably <laughs> the only person who watches. um okay so this article is about the emergence of a flying car and it's coming a lot sooner than all of you think i'm gonna read select parts <laughs> It was a sleek cone shaped, a little confusing, like something Hollywood give Hollywood would give a sci-fi villain for a quick getaway. It wasn't a helicopter. Reader, it looks like a helicopter. It looks exactly like a helicopter. Um, it may look like a strange beast, but it will change the way transportation happens, said Marcus Lang, the Canadian inventor who designed this aircraft, which he named Black Fly. Um, Black fly is what is often called a flying car. Okay, cut to, they want to launch this in 2024. And the byline of this article is inside, uh, what is, it's basically, they, it's Tesla meets Uber. And they presumably want this to happen in 2024 that we will all be able to mr lang's company opener is building a single person aircraft for use in rural areas essentially a private flying car for the rich that could start selling this year 
Others are building larger vehicles they hope to deploy as city air taxis as soon as 2024, an Uber for the skies. Now, we can't even keep buildings up without collapsing. And yet these people are talking about launching an Uber for the skies. It literally looks like a helicopter, you guys. It's well, funny. that's my question. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're jumping ahead. I mean, what makes it a car? Like, it's not a car. When we we all know what a flying car looks like. It's what we saw in the Jetsons. It's and it's until they deliver here. that. Right. This doesn't look like a flying car. It looks like a little helicopter. And I really don't like the idea of like people just renting a helicopter and flying it around to get from like 14th Street to 116th. I got to tell you though, Jenny, this already exists. Um, I have to tread carefully there, but because of my line of work, there's already a company called Blade that will take you from uh, Midtown to I think LaGuardia or JFK it's like a 14 minute flight or something and costs two thousand dollars and then you know you get a pool pass in the summer uh, and a bar pass um, it's kind of already in effect and it's as easy to to book as an, an Uber and if you're rich right now this is a possibility um, I don't know if this, yeah. the idea is to like democratize this at all, but yeah, are we ready? This because you know that guy, George Hahn, he's like kind of a, a man about town and he is constantly complaining about the sound of helicopters on the Upper West Side. So I'm sure that this is happening, but the idea that they're trying to launch a fleet of like flying Ubers just seems like a disaster. Does anybody else not think this is a disaster? No, counter, counterpoint, hot okay. take. Yeah. When I read this article, I got like, I got an obelisk immediately when I was reading this article. And- um, Is that fancy? Is that a euphemism? Yes, I'm going to use it. It's my new euphemism. <laughs> okay, got it. Just first of all, I'm going to disagree that it looks like a helicopter because the, I, I think the propellers all point downward. So it has like creates lift. There's several of them, and some of them are more cool looking than others, for sure. Some of them just look like airplanes to me. But but the black fly to me looks super cool. The only problem is it only can only carry one person now, right? Um, yeah. I don't care. I'm never going to be able to afford these. Uh, although Jim says I should not have that attitude, that I should have the attitude that I am going to be able to afford things like this. But um, but I would love to be in New York City and just see these things flying above me. That's so freaking future. Can I tell you something? So cool. People cannot even ride scooters in New York City without getting into a horrible accidents. You know, there's this rebel like scooter company in the mm -hmm. city where, you know, a rando can can um, get on a scooter. I really don't know how it works because I'm like, shouldn't you have special license for scooters? Seemingly anybody can get on these things. And, and there have been a lot of really terrible accidents. So I can't, I can just imagine like looking up to the sky and seeing investment bankers just fly into each other and perish in a fiery is ball. That a, is that a bad thing? That's true. Well, yeah, was, that was a little bit of a fantasy from okay. Jen, I'm gonna have to say. I mean, yeah. the debris oh. might affect, you know, the, the people below the debris falls on might not appreciate it. That's true. I'll admit. But, but also they would be professionally driven. Like, I don't think these things are autonomous yet. So technically you'd have a licensed pilot, driver. 
<laughs> somebody who's being paid like nine dollars an hour plus tip <laughs> absolutely fly the friendly skies don't be at all yeah it's a guy and you're like oh he's like yeah i came here from syria i used to be a doctor <laughs> you know as he takes off as he turns around um, and says you want a bottle of water it's like look ahead <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know you guys i will say camilo is the most unabashed pro technology voice on this podcast i know yeah. it's surprising to me it really is every single time it's i I appreciate your take on things. It's, it, it's humans disappoint every time. Agreed. <laughs> so, not, the, not the two of luck you. Luck with that, Camilo. Yeah. Humans disappoint every time. Yeah. Kim, tell us about beauty and health before Jen leaves. I just want to be pretty. Give me your potions, give me your serums, even your unwent. But that perfect workout, baby, oh no, I can't. I just want to be pretty. Yeah, Jen's gonna like bag on us, but I have been thinking about uh, beauty trends and what's new, what's fabulous, what can I do to keep myself like beautiful, to preserve my youth essence, um, what little there is left. And I've been thinking a lot about K-beauty. K-beauty stands for Korea beauty, We Korean beauty. So do we know about this? I know, about so, the, I know about the double cleanse. Yeah, okay, double cleanse, like oil cleanse, and then you lock it in. I mean, kind of piggybacking on what you were talking about last episode, Jenny, it's the antithesis of that New York Times article, because if you follow K-Beauty, you probably will not have any acid mantle left whatsoever. <laughs> In fact, it, you're, it will be totally obliterated. But I have to say, has anybody seen some of these Korean beauty influencers? Um, like they are dewy, youthful, um, one, one aspect of Korean beauty of K beauty that we kind of strive for, or you know, that the cool kids strive for, for is this glass skin effect. So after you've done your tin set beauty uh, routine with like washing, cleansing, essence, toner, uh, you know, oil cleansing, then locking it in with another product. I mean, side note, there has to be a little bit of of an aspect of wanting to sell a lot of products. I, I, I can't help but think that the 10 step pro, um, process might have a little something to do with that, but you cannot argue with that dewy, beautiful, glossy, I mean, some might even say like greasy skin effect that you get from K-beauty. But what I find about what what's interesting about it is I think there's this tension between because K beauty kind of uh, kind of morphs into K makeup, and that's a very natural. I mean, the aesthetic is totally different. So we have this K beauty versus Instagram beauty. So Instagram aesthetic is the Kardashians, layers and layers and mounds of makeup and highlighting and contouring and reverse. Well. Reverse, oh. reverse cowgirl? Is that what she was going to say? She's going to come back. <laughs> oh, Jen. Jen's going to get out of here, so I'm going to be by okay. myself. Well, just for now. Where are you going? Do you have to, do you have to provide for your man again? 
No, it's not that. I'll tell you guys in next episode. All right. I love you. I'll see you next week. Bye, Jenny. Why, why won't the internet let me be great, Camilo? You are, you are being great and I will stitch it together so it's seamless. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I also just wanted to say that I have actually tried some of these K-beauty things, not even knowing what they are. Okay, so we know that these sheet masks are completely K-beauty. Have, have you ever used one? No, what, what is it? Sheet mask? Yeah, yeah. The mask that you put over your face and they're infused with peptides. Or, oh my God, get with it. The last time I put on a mask, what? it was like a, a green like thing that you peeled off. Probably well, in the 90s. These masks are extremely high tech. They've got little like nanobots of beauty in them. <laughs> Infuse your face with youth. Now you're talking my language. Nanobots? Yes. Yeah, I know. I just threw that in there. I knew that would get your attention. Um, but I, I had tried something. Um, you guys look into this. This is the craziest thing. And if you follow them on Instagram, it's just kind of hilarious for entertainment value. Hanicure is the a K beauty mask. Have you seen these ads? So it's this thing, I ordered it once off, off of the interwebs and it's this like gooey gel and then you mix it with this other substance. You put it on your face and it makes your skin like cement. It pulls everything so tight, it's so extreme. And there's hundreds of people posting, you know, their pictures of their, their faces pulled back to kingdom come and they all swear by it. I do think that my skin was smoother. I think it removed some like blackheads because when you take it off, like it's definitely suctioned some things from your skin, but people, some of these people are saying silly shit. Like it, it took off 10 years. Like, I think that's a little much, but, um, check it, it out. Completely removed the skin that I would been growing for seven years. Right, right. No skin, no wrinkles. Yes. So that. Um, it's only, I think, like $29.99. So if you want to check it out, it's very easy to do. Although it's becoming so popular, I guess, like they're running out of stock. And a lot of uh, a lot of celebrities like the Kardashians have posted their selfies with the Hannah Cure. This oh, is so not- it's like the shortage of lumber. Yeah, like that. That's also going on. Yeah, um, not nearly as important as shortage yeah. of K-beauty. But, yeah. Yeah. but uh, you know, um, K-beauty, it's cool. And also there are some other things that are going on, like snail. I mean, K-beauty is supposed to use natural products. Snail masks using the mucin, which is basically that snotty slime from the snails. Um Hippocrates himself back back in ancient Greek times said that this was good for you. So it must be true. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to put the actual snails in your face, but they uh, extract it. And um, the slimy shit is supposed to um, help you produce collagen, remove inflammation, and just generally make you glowy and ready to be like a K-pop superstar. Um, I will say I met... Hippocrates in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and he did not give me this hot beauty tip. About really, snail mucus on my face. There, well, so, there's so many things to talk about. I'm sure that I'm going to get back to the developer and make sure they patch it so that um, you get this valuable information. Definitely, as much random shit that hypocrisy said worked into that, I think would be <laughs> would be great. Which I'm sure is a lot, a lot. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, um, try some K-Beauty. I, um, even though Jen sternly warned us against destroying our acid mantle last episode, I'm still about that slathering all the products on your face life. I haven't given up. So, yeah. We're destroying the earth's acid mantle. So why not do the <laughs> so same with our face? My face. We're all going to wear like gas masks in, you know, in a few years anyway, every time we go out. So nobody's going to see true. that. Well, we're, we're, we're almost there. Um, did you, there was a show, I'm not going to remember what it was called, but it's a British show that's only, I think it's only on HBO. And it's about um, a family over the next few years and sort of every episode like skips ahead a few years. Um, and one of the one of the characters, the teenage daughter, she is uh, she has kind of a shyness, some kind of extreme withdrawal, you know, social withdrawal. And the only way she can communicate with the world is she has like an emoji digital face that comes up in front of her face. Like it's some kind of it just pro- this device projects this thing. Oh, so God. That she, she'll only communicate as like a cute kitten voice. like <laughs> Like she won't actually talk to her family without it. I think that's kind of creepy cute. Yeah. And I've I've been looking for actually since emojis came out, I've 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 always been about that emoji life. Um been looking for the first literature published using all emojis or you know, you know, language using all emojis. I, I am looking for us to incorporate incorporate this a little bit more. Um I think that kind of goes against my general grain, but I'm actually pro emoji. So maybe I'll check that show out. Yeah, it's, I can't imagine not having emojis now. I mean, I, I think oh, I was okay with ASCII, like as long as I can create a, a smiley face with the colon and the thing, but mm-hmm. but that's just how I communicate. Wait, what, I, it's called ASCII? Let me rewind. Yeah, the A-S-C-I-I. Oh, okay. So I'm not- really fond of those. Like when people used to really make very complex images using just the keyboard symbols. I still see that. Especially I, I love using those. Yeah. That's a very cool like Gen X touch if you throw one of those in. There's one guy that recently posted this whole like universe, like with planets and Saturn had its rings and everything. I mean, it was how do people figure this out? It's, it's kind of- yeah, it's artistic. It's, there's a beauty, digital beauty. Um, I forgot my, I, I had a train of thought that's completely derailed. Um, so it's okay, we'll, we'll pick it up another time. We've gone on pretty long, so, but I yeah. think we, we've gained some valuable insight. As usual, this has been highly educational. Uh, again, our primary purpose is to teach, educate, and enlighten <laughs> our listeners. That is not true. <laughs> but, <God. laughs> and um, so that they're better prepared to handle middle age right okay that part and yeah. also you should throw in to email us please we're just sitting waiting for an email <laughs> halfway there the podcast at gmail.com emails about anything really but we're looking for your relationship questions your sex questions you know whatever it is um let us know particularly if you're middle age but if you're any age and you just want some old folks opinion about it we'll give it to you okay because our combined failure failure to make relationships work has given us so much insight 
Um, That's not true. To, Come on. We, we should know that two thirds out of us are in successful relationships. Yeah, but it was, it was hard won. I mean, what I mean is that there was a lot of stumbling and failing before that. Um, That's true. So at least speaking for myself. But um, yeah, we'd love your relationship questions. I know that I, I, I brashly said the, uh, an email address that I hadn't created at first, and then we realized yeah. it was taken. So Kim, could you repeat the actual email address? Yeah, we probably have hundreds of emails in mm -hmm. that wrong email address. Um, but the correct address is halfway there, the podcast at gmail.com. We are waiting with bated breath for your emails. And all your emails that you sent to Halfway There Podcast, which is not the correct, probably went to the religious podcast that has the same name as ours. There uh, is, there is a highly Christian podcast. Um, but we shouldn't repeat that because we're just confusing them because people will always hear the wrong information and get right. that. So Halfway There Again. The Podcast, right? Halfway <laughs> yes. There The Podcast at gmail.com. Correct. And also, please, please, please go on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, rate five stars. We're not, we're currently not accepting less than five stars. So it has to be five stars. Yeah, um, currently. And if you can leave a comment in, in praise of this, we think it's pretty good. Um, if you think it's eh, then just lie, lie. Yeah, lie, lie. Our generation has not a problem with that. So um, no, seriously, we hope you like it. Listen like, rate, subscribe, write us a review. We really, really highly um, appreciate it. And we have some fun things, promotional events, things. No, right? Camilo coming up, we haven't solidified anything, but fun things have been floated and they're happening. Get excited about this stuff that you don't know what it is. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's been a pleasure as always. Likewise. Thank you, Kim. Uh, Jenny, you bailed, but yeah, I guess you contributed today. Thanks for that. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. This has been Halfway There, but it's also the end. The end of this episode of Halfway There. You get it. <laughs>